my turn to kick it off this time. Um, yeah, before we get started, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to put them in the chat, Keep them, but we'll have a question answered at the end. If it happens to be something we can talk about during, cool. Um, uh, I'll let someone else talk about GoFundMe, that's not my thing. Cool, so festivals, showcases, and rep. I have never done a festival. Closest thing I've done is rep. So the past four years, I would go up to New Hampshire or Maine and work there, um, always as an ASM, never as a PSM, because I do not have that confidence to be the PSM and oversee all of that, not yet. Um, but backstage is an ASM with rep. I love the moving pieces. So for me, the first summer was seven shows. Um, did six of them calling one, five backstage. Most of them were musicals. The next three summers did three shows calling two backstage or calling one backstage for two. Um, very different schedules, but at least it ties into festivals in that after every performance, we were putting everything away. The scenery was striking as ASM was mainly making sure that props got in a box and went away and props came back, remembering the paperwork, being on top of being able to shift between your, which show is there. Luckily, we'd have about an hour and a half before shows, at least to get into the props preset, which is probably a little bit generous compared to festival. Um, spikes were interesting for us um, the past three years. We'd make sure we have a specific color for each show because you'd have six different shows spiked on the stage and it never, we didn't hide them between shows. So you either were sparing or made sure you remember what color you are and distinguish with shapes in that. Or sometimes we do two colors, but you knew those two colors were for that show. Um, because riding on them, not gonna help you in a scene shift. I was fortunate in that we had false decks sometimes, so the spikes were already on the deck, didn't have to worry about that, deck went away. That was a lifesaver. Uh, yeah, the weirdest situation I've had is for the past three years, instead of just rehearsing one show, then opening it, for three weeks, you would rehearse one show for two days, another show for two days, another show for two days. You know, it's a weird schedule, but that was mine. So it was constantly shifting your brain to what show you were doing each day. Sometimes it overlapped at night. And sometimes in production meeting, you just have to shift from one to the other as you're talking or checking in with department heads. But that makes it kind of easier, especially me as an ASM, I'm constantly being the first ASM. At least they knew they could touch base with me on multiple shows at the same time. Um, I was lucky in that ASM, I did not have to deal with the schedule too much for the company, but there was that. Um, and then showcases, those contracts I did were not on showcases. Um, they were out, again, in New Hampshire and Maine, so we were on kind of a reference to the contract, which was nice and covered everything. Showcase, um, done a couple in the city 
oftentimes they have been smaller with rules that are similar to festivals, but I'll let someone else cover how they're similar because I don't know. Um, but generally you have smaller space, um, not as much time to put them up, so it's fast. And props and storage were an issue sometimes. So that's what I got on that. I'll let someone else take away for the showcase side, or I forget who's next. It's me. Hey. Um, I actually just uh, linked, I, I just put in the chat a document that I created um, that lists all the fringe festivals because there's more than just New York's fringe. I'm sorry if you hear a crying dog in the background, my dog is crying in the background. So, um, but um, there's a whole bunch of fringes that we couldn't possibly all go into right now. There's just way too many of them. Um, but I have done the, the New York, um, the Fringe NYC or the New York International Fringe Festival, which the show that I did for that was called um, John Goldfarb, Please Come Home, which was a musical. Um, I think we had, it was a 20 person cast, five person band. Um, a couple notable shows from the Fringe are You're in Town and Dog Sees God and Debbie Does Dallas ironically started in New York. Um, I also have done the uh, Nymph Festival, which was the New York Musical Theater or Musical Festival, um, which their last season was last year, I believe, 2004 to 2019. Um, and the show for that was called Like Love. And in similar to what um, Ingrid did, you're sharing the space with multiple shows. So you're, you get assigned a spike tape color um, and your producer usually will supply that, that tape for you and you have to cover them between when your show is not performing. Um, just to avoid confusion for everybody else involved because you are sharing the space, like I said. Um, what was the other? Uh, Crown Point Festival was another festival that I did. That was at the Abrams Art Center down in the uh, West Village, I think it is, the Henry Street Project. Um, and shows that I, I was the rehearsal SM for The Girl Detective and uh, Hostages, which is now called Hostage Song, um, which was written by Kyle Jarrow, who also wrote the book for SpongeBob. Um, that was actually a different situation where there was a bunch of us working together as rehearsal SMs and then we became the ASMs backstage and the crew and, and uh, for the actual festival where um, Zach Chandler actually PSM'd that. Um, some of you guys might know him. Um, and that was fun. That, that story, I wound up going, I was returning lights from my nymph show got a phone call um, from Zach asking me to come in for an interview. And I was like, give me an hour. I got to go to Big Apple, return these lights. I apologize ahead of time. I'm really sweaty because it is the middle of summer and it's hot. <laughs> um, so he saw me um, on the fly really quick that one day and he hired me there. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, we actually did not cover our spikes for those shows because it was the same crew of people 
which made it interesting when we started pulling spikes at the end of the festival and people who had been using those spikes for their sight lines realized they're no longer there. Um, and then uh, another festival I did was called the In Her Name Festival. That was with, um, that was, uh, Shellen uh, directed that. Um, and that was a three-day festival of, I think it was 32 plays or 36 plays, where that was a lot of making sure the next performance was ready to go. Um, I was not running cues or anything like that. I was, I was running up and down the stairs, making sure everybody was in their correct place. Um, showcases I've done, oh, sorry, I've also done the Broadway Bound Festival. Um, that was the most recent festival that I did, it was in 2017. Um, those other ones were all back in 2007. Uh, showcases I've done are uh, Never the Sinner, which was with the Woodshed Collective. Um, I Google myself with, with a theater askew and my dog heart was at Ensemble Studio Theater. And that was part of their um, marathon on one act plays that they do each summer or well, not this summer, but you know. Um, and that's basically my rundown of shows that I've done and festivals that I've done. Um, and I'm going to toss it to Lisa next. And Lisa's going to try something brand new. I've never shared content, so bear with me here. Oh, it won't let me share. It says only Taylor can. Oh, well, that's fine. Um, I have also done Nymph uh, and Broadway Bound. Um, and I'll, I'll throw the, the picture up later in our, uh, in our Facebook page. But I come from a background of teaching high school theater. And in North Carolina, we have the high school play festival. So I, as, I went as a student and I went as a teacher many, many times. So one of the things that I learned very quickly, the first festival I did, which was Nymph, uh, I was not stage managing, but I was working props was that you have to fit everything into a very small uh, space backstage, which is four by four, I believe. Um, and, okay, I'll get, um, our production manager was really freaking out about all this stuff we had. We had this huge backdrop. We had, of course, tons of props and set pieces. And I looked at Fritz and I said, oh, we can get all this in there. And he went, seriously? Uh, and so we, put everything inside of stuff and piled everything up and ended up using bungee cords and got everything in the four by four space so well that the other production manager started coming by and taking pictures of what we did to be able to fit their stuff in their space. <laughs> so you those skills you think you're never going to use, you end up using later. Um, I've also done the Broadway Bound Festival. Uh, I did the, I did a show there in 2018 when they were still at 14th Street Y. Uh, and I will be doing Broadway Bound again come February, if things work out, uh, a show that I've been working on called Ordained that I've been doing readings for the last two years has just been selected for the festival. So I will go back to Broadway Bound, which is now at Theater Row on 42nd Street uh, in Theater 5, which is one of their 99-seat uh, theaters there at Theater Row. Uh, also, again, you have small storage spaces, making sure that you have things that you can store props and things in. Uh, I know the last show that I did we, uh, in 2018 at Broadway Bound, we used an ottoman that had storage space in it. And that was one of the reasons we bought that piece of furniture was so that you could put stuff in it and store. 
Um, the other festival that I have done here in the city is called the Dream Up Festival. It's down at Theater for the New City in the East Village. A festival I honestly would never do again. It's the most disorganized festival I've ever done. Um, didn't know these still existed, but got instructions to bring a floppy disk for the light board. Yeah, so the lighting designer and I looked at each other and went, do they, do they still make floppy disk? Okay. Found one to store your lights on, of course. Um, the biggest issue with that festival was tech time. The tech time was not long enough to get in and get everything situated. And then the way the schedule was set up, you had 30 minutes after the show before you finished to get into the dressing room, get your set and props ready to go, and then you would start your performance. The first night we performed the show before us was supposed to end at, and we were supposed to start at nine. They ended at 9.15. So we're scrambling to get in. We're 15 minutes behind on when we're supposed to start. And we're still supposed to be able to have 30 minutes to set up. And it was our first show. So of course, you know, you're working out the kinks and making sure everything's where it's supposed to be. And they also had scheduled that the show, as they finished your 30 minutes of moving into the dressing room, which we all shared the same dressing room, and moving into the space, was their 30 minutes to get out. So you're literally moving around people trying to get out and you're trying to get in at, and get a show up in 30, in 30 minutes, which was insane. Um, their storage was also downstairs. So everybody had to take set pieces down the stairs into a basement area, uh, which they also used, they rented out for rehearsal. So you'd be bringing things down and so we'd be in the middle of rehearsal and you feel bad interrupting, but you're on a schedule, so you have to do it. Um, we spiked the same way we did at Broadway Bound. You, once you were done with your, with your show, you covered it with black gaff tape. You marked it with a, a gold or a silver um, Sharpie with your initials, and then you pull that up when you go back to your spikes. So those are some examples of the festivals that I've done here in the city. Uh, and I will turn it over to Lizzie to talk a little bit more about her experience with festivals. Thank you. So I've had a taste of festival showcases and rep throughout my career. Um, I actually had to write it down because I've done so many showcases and festivals. I couldn't remember till today. Oh yeah, I've done this one. Oh yeah. And even just as Taylor and Lisa were talking, go, oh yeah, I have actually done <laughs> that festival. Uh, so in college, um, I went to the University of Rhode Island for stage management. We did a festival every year called the 322s, which was the name of the class. But then you had a presentation of, I think it was five to seven plays from the student direct, senior student directors every year. And it was called the One Act Festival. So I did that my junior year as um, one of the deck stage managers. And then my senior year, I was the production stage manager for, I believe it was seven One Act plays. So it was good that I had a taste of that in college, actually, with practicing scene shifts and, um, you know, paying attention to detail paperwork and working with a pretty massive crew um, for just a college show. And then after my junior college, I worked at the Williamstown Theater Festival, which, if you know Williamstown, it's, I think it's considered the best summer stock in the country. Um, and that was extremely invaluable. Um, to be one of the production, I was a production management intern, but I was also an assistant production manager 
um, on a, a few of the projects that summer. Um, and it was great to be in the production management office rather than a stage manager because you work with every single department and at all hours of their day, whether it's two in the morning or one in the afternoon, someone might come to you with a problem and you are doing fast changeovers and just working. And, you know, really the trick to a festival and rep and showcases is being a good sport. That doesn't mean not being treated professionally or with respect. Of course, any project in any industry should be treated uh, professionally and respectfully. But you do have to be a good sport because sometimes you're going to have to wear a hat that you're not always confident with, but that also builds a certain skill set. Um, the other uh, festivals I've done in New York City, which a lot you've heard already, I've done NIMF, I've done New York Winter Festival, I've done Midtown International Festival, I've done Planet Connections, I've done something at the Cow, which is on the Lower East Side. I have done the United Solo Festival. I have done readings and plays at the Here Art Center for their festivals. I did um, a show I did was a part of a reading festival at the Kennedy Center last August. So I had, but we treated it as a regular production, the solo show. So they gave me half an hour to design and build my lights at the Kennedy Center um, while putting together video and sound with our designers and then doing the show in less than 70 minutes. Um, I will say the Kennedy Center has by far the nicest stage hands I've ever worked with um, anywhere. So that made life really easy and it was a really fabulous experience. They actually had to hold the house for us for a few minutes, not because of tech, just because um, of, script, of a script change thing at the last second, but um, they were they were so nice and calm for us, and um, I would go back in a heartbeat, I think. Yeah, we were actually supposed to go back this summer, but due to the virus, we aren't, but maybe, maybe in the future that will happen again. Um, the taste of repertory theater I've had was, I did Puffs when it was off-Broadway at the Electra before it was at New World Stages. Um, that theater doesn't exist anymore on 43rd and 8th, but the way they treated Puffs was in rep because there were two or three other shows that were happening in that same theater, and there were four of us on the stage management team, and, you know, again, being a good sport, paying attention to your duties and tasks, while also, you know, sometimes having to hop in and help someone else because we had half an hour to set up a farce and a door show. And if, if you watched Puffs the other night with some of us, or you've just seen Puffs on your own or on Amazon, there's, it's a lot, because it's a farce. Um, and then the show is 90 minutes and then half an hour to take it down. We were fortunate in the sense that a lot of our shows were at 9.30, so we were the last show in. So sometimes they'd give us, you know, 45 minutes if we were the last show, which that does happen. That's the good and the bad of the perks of festival and rep and showcases because you are there for a long time, but sometimes they're a little more lenient. Um, but then, of course, there's the fun of running to the train and making sure you get home because you might be the early one the next day. So, you know, good and bad of that. Um, I also stage managed, a production stage managed for two and a half years at Joe's Pub, a live podcast, um, which was treated like rep. So we had sometimes 15 minutes to set up the stage, not that there was a lot, 
but it was also with cameras because it was filmed live. And so that was also a trick. So if you were given the seven o'clock show and you had 3.30 sound check and rehearsal, they kind of let you keep that stuff on stage because you were going right into your show. That was nice. If you were the 9.30 show, you had rehearsal at 1.30 in the afternoon. That was kind of the pain in the butt end of it. And also just the downtime and sitting in the dressing room and the exhaust and, and that kind of comes over you. And you have to take care of yourself and remember to pace and on those days. Fortunately, we had fewer 9.30 shows and 7 o'clock shows. That was in the contract, but we did have to do 9.30 shows occasionally. Um, New York Musical Theater Festival was a great experience for me. My show, the show I was on, uh, won that summer for best show, best production. It was The Snow Queen, which is actually what Frozen is based on. Um, beautiful show, beautiful score. That was... I mean, there were, there was actually one instance and I was one of like four production assistants on that. The ASM asked me to run out and buy a prop at CBS at the last second. Um, I, I knew in the back of my head that probably wasn't a good idea 15 minutes before curtain, but at the same time, my ASM asked me to do that. So again, be good sport, do what you're asked. I went, I got back to run the sound in, in the video for that. Um, the ASM got in trouble. I didn't. The PSM was like, you did the right thing by doing that. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the ASM that asked you to go do that. But again, I did what I was asked to do, whether, and even though I knew in the back of my head, that's probably not a good idea. And they ended up finding the prop backstage at the last second, which, you know, also there was, there were a lot of props in that show being organized, not just throwing stuff in a box. Um, but again, I was just running the sound and video for that show. So that was the deck stage managers. Um, responsibilities to make sure all those props were accounted for um, every show. And um, I guess most recently, um, for writing, a play of mine was a part of Pride Play Festival, but that was all through Instagram, so a little less of a headache when not having to, you know, go to the theater and kind of go in, even though it would have just been a reading with the music stand and adjusting lights. But um, that is the last festival I was a part of. So it was Pride Pieces on Instagram. So different, not as much of a headache, but still a part of a festival in that regard. Um, that's all I can remember of that at the moment. I do a lot of showcases and I kind of stopped doing showcases just because of the fee, um, which we're gonna talk about because sometimes there is a set fee for stage managers and actors, especially on showcases and you know as you progress in your career you're you're going to have a set rate and you're not going to be able to necessarily take those jobs even though they are fun and you learn a lot from them um but i'm going to turn that over to my partners so we can talk about the financial side of it yeah i'll speak to the financial side of showcases um i when i moved to new york four years ago the very first show i did was a showcase and I had money saved up. I'd sold my house. So I knew I was not in a position where I had to necessarily worry about money. And I was brand new to the city. I'd been here 10 days. And so I took it for $500. Um, that's not uncommon. However, I've done showcases and gotten $3,500, $4,000 for a showcase. So there's a wide range. Um, showcase code only guarantees in the code that you are provided transportation to and from rehearsals and performances. And, and then 12 performances 
if you add the four extra six to go to 16, it's, I think it's $10 extra for each of those four performances. And I think so it can vary. I think the transportation isn't like, oh, taxi. Generally, it's assumed to be MetroCard sweat. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So my, my reimbursement um, never covered my full ticket because I, I come from Long Island and it depended on when I was actually starting rehearsals and or performances, whether I would buy a weekly ticket or a monthly ticket. Cause if I was already two weeks into the month, I'm not buying a monthly ticket um, or a 10 ride ticket. So it, it varied. But what I always did was I, I said, I need the money up front or I need at least half up front um, because I have to get here. And that's what the reimbursement is supposed to be for is for me to get to this space. So that was part of my deal generally, but I, I usually stop, I stopped doing showcases generally because of the fee. Wasn't. Yeah. yeah. I, I always ask for half up front as well that I think you have to do that in that particular <coughs> instance. And there are some, some showcases that I've done, uh, have done a flat fee and given you here's, here, we figured out how much it's gonna cost for you to take the subway here and back for X number of days. Some producers will hand you a Metro card, a monthly Metro card, you know, which is nice. So it just, it just depends. And I, I always say, get that information up front because sometimes they like to hide things. I did a showcase that was, I was on the fence about taking it and I took it when I, not long after I uh, got here and I was promised a fee up front that I was like, oh, this is a, more than I've been getting. This is nice. And then got into the rehearsal process and found out that that fee was transportation, which they handed me a check for the first day. And the rest of the fee was because they had gotten permission from equity to videotape and they had to pay that videotape fee. And that even wasn't the entire fee because part of that was going out to go to pension um, for equity pension. So always ask those questions up front. So you know exactly what those fees are that you're getting paid for are and where they're coming from. Yeah. And I would say also be forthcoming with what your uh, demands for lack of a better word are, because they might not expect you to ask for the half up front. I think most of them don't because they rely on the ticket sales to pay you and everybody else. Um, and whether the rest of my company has asked for that same uh, that same courtesy that's not that's not my problem um, I'm not I can't police them or anything like that but I expect to to make part of it up front so that I can get to where I ne they need me to be um, or at least I did when I was doing them <laughs> when I and, and I will say that also on that I now demand a contract there is no contract for showcase code that comes from equity I now demand one <laughs> if I ever have to do a showcase. And I will have to for Broadway Bound because it's a festival where they're gonna have the equity and non-equity. And so uh, I know that they'll go under showcase code for that to do that particular show. And I always, if I have to do that, now have a contract so it's in writing. Yeah, you don't, it, you don't get the contract, you get the signature sheet, yeah. uh, which <coughs> doesn't do you any good. <laughs> Actually, a piece of advice I wanna give is so, I actually, for any showcase I do or festival, I ask for it in full. And in New York State, 
a verbal contract is a binding contract, but as the daughter of a lawyer, that doesn't slide. So I always write up my own contract. Um, if anyone has any questions about how to write a contract, and it does not have to be 18 pages long, it can be three sentences that is legally binding in this state and probably most other states, I think in California, that is also legally binding, that I'm happy to talk to you about that uh, offline. Um, I always ask for it up front. If they don't do it, I won't work on the show. They yeah. have to give me for a showcase or a festival the full, whether it's a check or Venmo or PayPal, whatever, up front, first day of rehearsal. And that's also for my security in case, I mean, I've never been fired, but that's also in case someone ever fired me, I've been paid um, oh. for my security. And um, yeah, so feel if you are doing a showcase or a festival, um, that, that's not at Williamstown. I will say if you're doing like, you know, Nymph or uh, Fringe or something like that, feel confident about asking for that check fully up front. Um, they can afford it if they've hired you and they're going to give you that that rate at the end They can give it to you day one and you know depending on how the show does if it extends in ticket sales You'll get the bonus at the end and that's an end in your contract. You can put that as well But your rate up front and make sure you're comfortable with that rate The other thing about showcases is one you do not have to be equity to be the stage manager I am NOT union and I've done a ton of showcases um, you, you should still know the the codes for the AA showcase and the contract and all that because your actors will usually most of the time be AA. The other thing about it is that because actors can go and run to auditions and they can leave anytime. I've worked on shows where actors are like, I'm dropping because I got this. Um, and they can. They don't really need an explanation in that contract about it. Um, so know, know the ins and outs of the showcase code um, so that you're not surprised by anything. Um, I also forgot the first show I ever did in New York, which was right after I graduated from college after a couple productions. I was the PSM and sound designer for F-Fest at a small comedy club. <laughs> and I remember having, for the final musical in that festival, seven minutes to tech their sound design. But it also taught me so much being able to do that in a small booth in a comedy club that wasn't equipped for a musical. Um, but it was, it was invaluable in that moment. And, helped me so much in furthering my career as a sound designer and programmer. Yeah. Um, do you mind if I just go into some very brief um, differences between some of those, like financially in terms of each of the things we mentioned? Um, so showcase, which we've mentioned a lot, is technically, it's not like a full agreement in, for actors equity. Um, so as Lucy said, you don't have to be an equity member to do a showcase. Anyone can, um, you can't join on a showcase because it's not like the full contract that it's being able to work without really the benefit of the contract. So stage managers can leave at any time too, because it's not a full contract, which is great. And they also have to work around your availability, which is great. Um, I know there's something about, I'm trying to find with when the fee has to be paid, um, whatever it is, but I think in the code, there is, and it's like half, I can't remember when each one is, but one payment of it is opening night or first performance, because first performance oh, is opening yeah. on a code. Yeah, um, yeah, Ingrid, the first payment, the first half is due, the first day of rehearsal. There you go. 
and then the second half is due opening night. And right. I'm going to jump in really quick about them having to work around your schedule because in many an instance I was working two maybe three showcases at the same time where I would be do in performance for one and rehearsing for maybe two or something like that. Um, it's doable. <laughs> um, it's not fun. But Done it myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I didn't know that. you you show up when you can essentially and they the 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 one that you are currently working on the first one you got hired for in my opinion should be your your first priority second one third and <laughs> but the second and third ones need to understand that i've got these other things they hired me first they are also paying me whether it be a lot or a little they're still paying you um so you you owe them your time for that time and you when you get to rehearsal you are in full gear with your next group your next show <laughs> those are the um, calls. I'm say some, like, <laughs> no sorry taylor i not mean to cut you off no it's okay you're good um what i was gonna say is yes they typically they can just pay you the first day of rehearsal and then opening but you can ask for in, in full the first day there's nothing illegal about that there's nothing wrong about that it's perfectly legitimate um and not just stage managers and actors can quit anyone can quit designers producer writer because i did uh it was the new york winter festival i think that's what it's called uh several years ago and i thought we had a lighting designer and they just never showed up and because it, it was the first day tech and i knew how to do lighting design and I wasn't going to let the show down. I just did it um, because I, I'm able to not every stage manager obviously can do a certain type of design and that's not a requirement for stage management though. I think there should be a basic knowledge of all that stuff um, in stage management and you know, basic knowledge of stage management for the other uh, artists in our industry. But um, I stepped in and just did it because I didn't want to let the production down and we had already made it to the, you know, our first performance day of tech. So if you are comfortable and confident with that and you can get paid more, and I did, um, do it. But hopefully that also doesn't happen where your just designer just never shows up and you don't hear from them. And I actually don't remember the reason why the designer didn't show up, but they just didn't. So I just had to step in and do it. Yeah. But it does happen though. I actually have an example of a, time for me when it was uh, an instance to say no. Um, it was for, when I was doing Nymph, it was for Like Love, where I was the ASM initially. I eventually, because the PSM had to leave, um, she had a, a family emergency, I wound up bumping up to the PSM. But I think it was our first or second day of rehearsal, I'm still the ASM, and our producer was a nice guy, um, but didn't quite understand what his job was, I think. Um, we asked who the prop person was. We figured it was a scenic designer because a lot of the time they will tend to buy their own stuff or they have their own stuff and they'll bring it with them. Um, especially in something like a, a festival situation where it's a very quick turnaround. Um, there was no one and the producer assumed that I was going to be doing props and acquiring props and I said when would I do that when I'm 
I'm in rehearsal all day. Um, and I think he said to the, the then PSM at the time, well, what did she expect to be doing? And her answer to him was assisting me because that was my job was to assist her at the time. Um, so it wound up being, and I, I told him, no, I'm not doing that um, in a favor um, that time. <laughs> and the scenic designer did wind up just doing the props himself. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't that it was a whole lot of, of things. It was just, I wasn't going to be able to do it because I was in rehearsal every day with them with the show. So you rehearse a lot for a festival that maybe only performs four times. So that's not to say that they couldn't ask you to do it and get a fee on top of it, but yeah, that, beforehand knowledge. Yeah, it was beforehand knowledge and I wasn't going to get an extra fee. <laughs> but that's not uncommon for producers, particularly for festivals. Most of the producers are the writers and they've never had this experience before. They don't have a background in theater other than writing and they don't know who is responsible for what. So that's not uncommon for them to assume that they, that you may be doing something that is not your responsibility. So sometimes part of the festival work becomes us educating producers, writers, et cetera, on what our responsibilities are, what uh, as a PSM or as an ASM, as a PA and what they need. Hopefully you have somebody that asks up front, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Yeah, because I think even the director sort of overheard that conversation and she was like, what are you? No, no, no. <laughs> Everyone has a different knowledge of theater yeah. and basics. Yeah. So. Um, I was also going to say. It, having that, oh, sorry, Taylor. No, go ahead. No, no, you finish and then I'll. I'll say what I was going to say that it, festivals and showcases and su such are definitely um, an art of Tetris where when you you need <laughs> a row or a column, nothing disappears. Um, so you don't ever gain space. It's yeah, that, that four foot rule is like, you can fit a lot in a very small space. Um, and I will say uh, working it was on, I Google myself, which was with Theater Askew. We were at under St. Mark's Place and a friend of mine worked there. I think it was a year or so later on a completely different show, obviously. And she had to, she was doing the props for them. And at the end of the night, you know, you got to store your props in the shed that they have back, uh, back in the courtyard. And um, the shed, the first, the top, I would say foot and a half was open there was the roof and there were four sides but the back of it um there was a completely open space so we had to acquire a tarp and we were keeping our lighting board in there sound equipment stuff like that yeah it wasn't really conducive to that because they they actually rented a light board um they didn't use the spaces board um so I, I, I forewarned my friend, Allie, I was like, uh, just so you know, <laughs> bring a drop cloth. Because <laughs> I assume that they have not replaced their shed. It's probably still there 10 years later. Actually, 13. <laughs> so if anyone works at under St. Mark's Place, know if they fix their shed. I, I've, I have not been there in about eight years, but I remember it. But just to see a show, not to work on uh, what I was going to say is when it, when it comes to festivals and showcases, um, they, they, the producers and directors sometimes can take advantage of the stage managers and the crew. So feel confident 
having, they almost will every time, by the way. So feel confident before you're hired, having the conversation of, are these my duties and responsibilities for this production? Yes, if something comes up at the last second and it's not, it doesn't feel uncomfortable to have to take on that responsibility, do it. But if you're going to be asked to do props or costumes and you're not being paid to do that or you, you solely, simply just don't want to, have that conversation then and not, you know, the day before your first tech. Because um, it, it, it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead, Lizzie. Uh, I, that, that's all I was going to say. Sorry, my dog is knocking into my desk right now. Yeah. Is that, is that the crying I heard? Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, the um, not leaving things to the day before your, your first day of tech and or only day of tech, more likely, um, is definitely something you can't work, you, you can't work with that because um, under a showcase code, you get double the amount of your runtime for your tech. And that's, yeah. <laughs> not all showcases. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, that's <laughs> um, I guess this is kind of a point where it's like, yes, festivals often use showcases, but showcases are used for things other, other than things. festivals. Um, for example, <laughs> Mostly on a showcase, your day isn't allowed to be more than, I want to say, six hours, maybe? Correct. And after, yeah, and after five hours, you have to take a meal break, so it's six hours yeah. rehearsal. Um, yeah. But once, when you're tacking, so about a week, aside of the week of, or the week before your first performance, you're allowed, I think, two eight out of ten days. Um, so you, there's no limit really on based on the union on tech. Some go fast because yes. you don't have access to the space. Oh, three. And on three. Yeah. It depends. What was <coughs> fringe? Was that the double year runtime? I think. Um, maybe something. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Which, and with a showcase with the three days of tech, the eight of tens. Here's what can get you. <laughs> um, it. In the code, it says in the week before your performance, most showcases, people are going to have day jobs as well as being involved in the show. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of theaters will want to say, well, <laughs> I can use Saturday and Sunday as two of those eight of tens. Where's the third one go? Do I ask my actors to take a day off from their day job and put it on Monday or Tuesday, for example? Or do I use it the weekend before? And a lot of the yeah. theaters that I've done showcases for want to put it the week before, which you have to get permission from equity to do. I've had equity say yes. I've had equity say no. Yeah. With all the actors saying that's what they want to do. So <laughs> there is some flexibility in, that, in there, but recognize that a lot of times with showcases, you or your actors may have a day job, so they're coming to rehearsal after that. They're coming to rehearsal all weekend, so that kind of shifts things. It's not, uh, you know, like some of the other contracts where you're you're rehearsing all day and then you go home. Yeah, and I've also had um, uh, press photography taking up some of that time as well, things like that, um, or uh, interviews, things like and such, which those got thrown in pretty much the right. At, right at the last second we got no notification of that and I had to call each actor individually 
before they even got to rehearsal saying, are you, I mean, I called our deputy first and if, cause if he wasn't okay with it, then I wasn't going to go any farther. Um, but they were all fine with it, luckily. Um, Talk about Tetris, it's Tetris of time. Cause not only that, but you have to, you yeah. have to remain under 32 hours of rehearsal, including with those in mind too. So. I will say on a positive note about showcases and festivals, you're gonna learn a lot more on those types of productions, meaning the other departments and how to focus lights and a rep plot and all that. You know, when you're not on an off-Broadway show, you're not on a Broadway show because, uh, and, it, and there's a confidence there, knowing how those instruments work and in the fast pace and, and uh, your voice and more confidence in your voice as a stage manager and bringing it on to those bigger projects. And so, because I've, I've done so many showcases where I feel like that's really where my confidence began, um, doing so many of them in smaller venues and strategically trying to figure things out very quickly. Um, it's, just, it's just one of my, and I did, there's only two festivals I've been a part of where you didn't have to do the, you know, 15 minutes in, 15 minutes out. That was Williamstown. And here arts I did, and, and that was our space for the couple weeks, which was nice. But I, that is that is rare when it comes to festivals, especially in New York City. Usually it's 15 minutes in, your 45 minute show, and then your 15 minutes out. And they will hold the stopwatch and go time. So you, and they will give you practice. Usually in your two hours of tech includes practicing all that. Um, and your actors, generally will say, oh, I'm okay setting this up or doing this because they know in their contract they can act as crew in the showcase code. Um, so remember that as well. If I mean, I've never had an actor fight me saying, oh, I can't preset this or I can't do that. But if any actor ever did, they, they can act as crew on a showcase code or, or, or in a festival. And a lot of them I have found are, are they've already had experience with it. So it's not necessarily new to them. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they're self-sufficient people. Yeah, they're, yeah, of course, intelligent, smart. Um, yeah. Most of the time. Most of the time. Well, that's, but that's not just actors. That's just oh, okay. Don't worry. <laughs> um, the beauty is when you find an actor who completely understands how the tech works. And it's like, you want this set piece turned ex at, at this angle of 75 degrees and you're like yes can i clone you exactly at this angle <laughs> i've had better actors than asms <laughs> in some cases yes in some cases yes before we hit questions i've got one um what why if you continue to showcases what do you see as the gain of doing showcases or festivals because they aren't necessarily the easiest contracts. I mean, the people you work with, and you do get to work on some great new plays occasionally and new connections and, and the people. I mean, yeah, you're not doing it because it's the most money, but you, I have met, I have had some long relationship, working relationships and personal relationships and people I've met on those projects because you never know where, if what it will lead to. So if you can do it, financially and in your schedule you know and it sounds something like the right project do it there's there's still all different types of art that need to be created and a lot of that art comes from festivals and showcases i mean six started at fringe 
you're in town started at fringe you just never know right yeah and i'll i'll agree with lizzie that you know the show that i'm doing at broadway bound in february is a show i've been involved with previously in the reading stage so the going to broadway bound is the next step um and i personally think it's a great show and i hope it continues to move uh up the chain so i do want to stay involved with it for that reason and i love working with the people that are involved with it but I'll give two other examples for reasons that I've done showcases. Um, I did one last fall, uh, again at Hear Arts. I was already doing a show downstairs. If you're not familiar with Hear Arts, there's a theater downstairs and there's a theater upstairs. And uh, their performance times are so that the show downstairs finishes. You have about 30 minutes to get the audience into the show upstairs and then it starts. Um, so I was already involved with the show downstairs they had a show that was planned in the upstairs theater that ended up canceling. And so they had somebody come in that was doing a last minute putting together of five, 10, 15 minute plays that the author had written and wanted them all done together. And so they asked the production manager there, we need a stage manager. Do you know anybody? And so she was like, well, you could ask the person who's down here. So they called me and said, Hey, would, you know, we realize you're already in the downstairs theater would you be willing to come to the upstairs theater? It won't conflict with schedule. And I did say to them, you only get me when I'm available. This, the show I'm currently doing has me first. Here are the times I can be available. And I gave them a financial number that I didn't think they would meet <laughs> because I was really like, oh, they'll, they'll never pay me this much. And the director and the producer were like, yeah, we'll pay you. And I was like, oh, oh okay. So that's what, that's why I took that one. So sometimes when you ask for more than you think, you're, you might get it. Doesn't hurt to ask. Um, the one other showcase I did take, it was a personal -ish reason. Um, the writer actually happens to be a Tony nominated costume designer. And I have a background in costuming and was really fascinated with the idea of spending three and a half weeks working just in her ear. Um, and then the director that was brought on board was a fairly well-known director here in New York and in Los Angeles. And the actors that I was working with were Broadway actors. So um, the festival part itself of that showcase was not fun, but I can tell you that nobody ever wanted to end a 10 minute break because the stories that those people in that room could tell you um, all were incredible absolutely incredible the stories they could tell so that's and i that was purely personal i took that the pay wasn't bad but it was a quick three three and a half weeks and i was like i'm gonna learn and meet people that i might not meet in another situation and and yes that has helped me get other jobs so that those would be my reasons for continuing to do showcases when and if they pop up i do other work the show i just closed um the end of February was off Broadway. So I just take a showcase if it fits me financially or if there's something yeah, I, that I feel like I can gain in terms of meeting new people or it's an interesting show that might be working its way up the chain. That's the way I look at it. I will piggyback to Lisa talking about the fee. Feel, feel confident giving them your rate. You, you, are, you are an artist that is worth your rate. So if they can't pay for that and you can't, you know, figure out, you know, a rate together, then you're not going to do it. But feel, feel confident knowing what you're worth. Um, 
you shouldn't don't you know don't don't take advantage of yourself in that way you know you're going to do the work you have a fee to it and here Heart is great about that i've worked with here several times and they've always been wonderful and i also love working with them because they are very queer positive they do a lot of lgbt shows have a lot of lgbt artists on their staff and their guest artists and as a queer woman i love being in an environment like that um and supporting other lgbt plus artists um so sometimes it's just a personal reason in an in a comfortable environment i also love noho i love being down there and just walking around and i'd rather be down there than midtown that's just me personally but yeah i mean it, it, there's all different reasons to choose in the moment of your life why you're going to do something so especially after corona you know i don't i know like roughly what my next project's going to be but i don't know of a different freelance one but it might be a showcase it might be a festival it you know i don't know but i'm not necessarily going to say no to it if they can pay my rate and it sounds good and i know the like, even if i don't know the person i'm going to hear them out and they're going to hear me out and it's going to be what it's going to be cool so questions, conversation. What do you want to know? What do you think sounds tricky about festivals? Chat, doc, either way. Um, just sort of bouncing off of uh, Morgan's comment, pay rate has always been a hard topic. Um, the way that I kind of look at it is if it's, especially if it's like a one-off day or, or a, a very short thing, um, that might be the only thing that I'm doing at the time. So I need to get paid for that. And I need to get paid as if it's not the only thing that I'm doing. So it, sorry. If you're not confident in giving them a number and it seems like you're, you're not giving them a high enough number or, you know, they, they might not want to hire you because they might not feel you're confident and then they might not feel you're confident in your job and your skill set. So, you know, be paid for your time, be paid for your work and show them that if they agree to that, good. They're going to trust you even more because I've had conversations with professional stage managers who have done certain projects and they were like, they didn't hire me back one time because I didn't give them a higher enough number. And that, that is a part of it. So you're, you are worth every penny as an artist. Just don't, don't forget that. And I found, I found what works for me if somebody offers me uh, a showcase and offer, gives them an amount, which oftentimes is what happens to me. I don't, they don't say, what, what's your rate? They'll just say, oh, we have this amount of money. Um, if it's not what I feel comfortable with, I usually will come back with, um, that's lower than my normal rate. Does your budget have room to grow? And that gives them an answer of, yes, we have extra money. We want you. or no, we don't. And if the answer is no, then that's fine. I wish you all the success in the world, but that does not fit my budget to stress that I have to be able to live off of what you're paying me. <laughs> so that is something that I found works for me in terms of approach. I mean, you'd be nice about it and professional, yeah. like make sure you're choosing your words correctly, but you know, just be confident. And, and that is like a muscle you really have to work at. Because when I was 22 and starting out, 21, I wasn't as comfortable having those conversations. 
but as I worked more and met more professionals and my dad was a lawyer and was putting a lot in my head, I just found my voice naturally and felt more comfortable, you know, saying this is what I'm worth. And if, you know, they are only really able to offer you a certain amount and if they don't have it on their budget, they're like, I only have X amount of money to give my stage manager and that's, and like they are just, they'll be brutally honest with you sometimes and say, this is what I've set aside for that position. If you want to do it, do it. And it's, it doesn't, it's not something you, if it's just like a project you want to do and just going to be like some bonus money, I mean, what, what are, whether you put that towards bills or something personal, that's okay too. So you just, it's different for every single person, every single project. And with the showcase, it does not say in the showcase code. As a matter of fact, it's actually not included in the budget. Any fee that they pay the actors and the stage manager is not part of, I believe it's $35,000 total is the budget for showcase. That the fee they pay you as a stage manager, the ASM or the actors is not in that $35,000. So knowing that up front should help you a little bit with a producer because a lot, I have worked on showcases where I feel like they have more money. They're just trying to produce it as inexpensively as possible in the city. So kind of having that knowledge makes me feel a little bit more comfortable to say, I'm worth more than what you want to offer me here. You know, we need to talk about moving that fee up. And if they really want you, then they're, yeah, they've got the money. They're going to say yes. Yeah. It's kind of like with a, well, title of show started as a festival show and they had four chairs and a keyboard and it's part of one of their songs. <laughs> so, you know, they weren't spending money on their set and their costumes were pretty much, you know, you could go buy them at any store at any H and M at the time, pretty much. Um, so there's money coming from elsewhere or that can be spent, spent elsewhere. Yeah. I just saw people who are in their show and working on their show. And I'm just on another note, just money and in, in entertainment generally, not just festivals and rep and showcases. They're going to give you a number to start with and see if you're confident enough to ask for more. That's also something to keep in mind. Because they do have the money. They want to see if you're confident at negotiating your contract before, you know, they consider really hiring you. And most of the time, they, they will say, yeah, we can do this. And they're going to trust you more. So it's, it's all strategy. There's a whole strategy behind all that. Does anyone have any questions? I would say not negotiating hasn't bitten me in the butt. I'm so... Full disclosure, I have never negotiated for salary yet. Um, I know, need to change that. We'll get there. Other things, but not salary. So, I mean, I wouldn't harp. It's great to ask, but I wouldn't harp too much on psyching yourself out for not asking. You should, but don't think it's going to be doomed for your offer if you don't. Just... No. Yeah, and it took me some time to get to that point of negotiating. Um, and actually, it was Maddie DiCarlo who kind of kicked me in the butt and was like, you should be negotiating. And I was like, okay. Um, I, it's not something I'm comfortable with either. And I've just started doing it probably within the last year and a half. Um, and, and I do kind of take a gentler approach, like I said, of, well, it does, is there money in the, you know, room to grow in the budget? Um, and it's been successful for me in doing that, but it took me some time. So yeah, work yourself into it and kind of feel, 
what is your personality? What works for you in terms of if somebody approaches you and you instinctively feel this isn't enough? Do you want to ask for more money? Do you want to ask for um, a concession maybe if you're working um, out of town? Can they give you something extra in your housing or, you know, things like that? What are those other ways that you can get a little extra and feel comfortable with that may not necessarily be money in that paycheck? Yeah, uh, I agree. I feel like some of these shows that you work on, like it's a taboo conversation to talk about your compensation and how to like up that up. But um, I had this unique position working on this production once and they weren't going to pay me. And um, I was like, okay, well, here are my stipulations. And once I started naming that, that's when they started being like, oh, okay. And they started to like have more, more value for me because I spoke up about that. So um, it is good to be like, okay, if, let's say worst case scenario, they say no, that's the worst case scenario. They have, you know, knows a full sentence, then let's move on to like, these are like my list of stipulations. So yeah, I agree. It's, it's always like kind of taboo. Nobody really wants to talk about money, but it is what it is. But, you know, we do this yeah. for a living. And another thing, cause we're all, we all don't identify as women on this call. They might try to lowball you cause of your sex. So that's also something you gotta keep in mind, you know, they don't do that often as often to men. So remember that, that as women, we have to feel confident asking for to be paid as just as much as any, any other gender in person. And Morgan, I'll say this, I came from teaching jobs. So for over 20 years, I had a set salary. I knew exactly how much money was going in my bank account every month of the year. And I gave it up and went to freelancing which was a little terrifying at times, but I've always had the faith to take a deep breath and say, this job is not offering me what I feel I'm worth. And I feel comfortable saying no, something else will come along. And it has, <coughs> I've never regretted saying no to the things I've said no to because something better has always come along. So it's having some faith in yourself to know that you are worth asking for that. Just to piggyback to Ingrid's comment, and doom is not going to come if you, you know, if you say I need this much money, or if you don't, um, if you, if you're just comfortable with what they're offering and you want to just take it, that's fine. Um, because if you do write a company, you know what I need to be paid this much, and this what needs to be in my contract in order to serve as on this position on this production, they're not going to say, oh, we can't do that. Best of luck to you. They're going to say, this is what we can do. Just let us know if you're comfortable with it and you can join our team. And then they leave it up to you. And it's just, you'll either write back, you know, thank you for the opportunity, but I cannot financially do this right now. And I wish you the best with the production. And you just leave it on, a, you know, hope we can work together again on something else in the future. You know, keep the door open still because they will reach out to you if it's, oh, that person you know, needs this much money in, and we have this much money in their talent and I want to work with them still, it will come. That email will come or that text or phone call, whatever form of communication. But yeah, nothing bad is also going to happen if you just take, if they're saying this is $500 for this showcase. Okay. I mean, they're not just going to, not every single person's going to be like, oh, they didn't feel confident in negotiating. Just, they, they were okay with that. And that's, and that's fine too.
Um, I we're think we're almost at time. That wraps up our time for this for this week. Thank you guys for coming. Gals. Yeah, thank you guys for your stories. It got me nostalgic about um, <laughs> for showcases and festivals, something that I might want to, like I'm always open to, but it's just like more passion projects I feel like I get into when they're like showcases. So those are fun to like hear from you guys. Yeah, yeah I think you got to have a passion project occasionally feed those creative juices. So yeah. make like yourself happy. Life is short. Make yourself happy. <laughs>